Greetings in the precious name of Jesus. It is good to uh, share the word. It's always good to share the word. I trust uh, when one shares the word, they, they feel good about it as an individual. Uh, <clears throat> I've titled the message this evening, New Testament Directives for Ministry and Laity Relationships. I'll say that once again. New Testament directives for ministry and laity relationships. Now, I'm always uh, learning, hopefully. Um, so you younger ones have a lot to look forward to. You know, you, you can all keep on learning. But I learned something just a few days ago. That is this. The word leader and lead, and any form of the word lead, is never used in the King James Version for a New Testament church official. I, I, I didn't realize it, but somebody that's here tonight uh, told me that just a few days ago. And I took a Strong's Concordance, and uh, they were certainly right in what they said. Uh, the one that told me was Brother Ellis. And Brother Ellis, I, I thank you for that. I, that. That was news to me. Uh, I, I appreciate you telling me that. Uh, now, most of you know there are numbers of words that are used for uh, those that minister in the church. And I, I jotted down uh, eight of them. Um, I'll just put them in alphabetical order here. Um, but these eight that I wrote down are this. Um, bishop, deacon, elder, minister, overseer, pastor, preacher, and servant. And so I'm going to try in speaking this evening to, to generally use the word minister. Um, I'm sure the word as far as these eight that I just mentioned, I'm sure the word minister and servant are, are used more than any of the others that I, that I read there, uh, minister and servant. <clears throat> what I would like to do is look at um, four different small portions of scripture that have uh, directives for ministry and laity relationships. And in each of these four, there's some direction there for the, for the minister. And right there with it, within a few verses, are directions for the, for the lay members also. I... Uh, I, pre I wrote some of these down, or most of these down, on some poster board, and I I'm going to position them up here in just a few moments so that uh, you can see them. Maybe that'll be helpful if you can see them and also hear them and look at them in your Bible at the same time. But I, I tend to make lists of things, and so I, <laughs> I made some lists here on paper. Um, I think before I do that, though, I would like to read um, something out of... Um, <clears throat> 
Howard Bean's a good minister that uh, I'm sure most of you ministers are familiar with. But uh, he said this, and he's, he's quoting a, a little poem here that someone wrote a long time ago. I'll just read the little paragraph before he, he gives this poem. He said, I find the description of a pastor written by Chaucer, one Chaucer, in the 14th century very interesting and relevant. Note his exemplary life and his relation to the flock. So I'll read that at this time. The word of Christ truly did he preach, and his parishioners devoutly teach. Wide was his parish, scattered far asunder, yet none did he neglect in rain or thunder. Sorrow and sickness were his kindly care. With staff in hand, he traveled everywhere. This good example to his sheep he brought that first he wrought and afterward he taught. This parable he joined the word unto that if gold rust, what shall iron do? For if a priest be foul in whom we trust, no wonder if a common man shall rust. Though holy in himself and virtuous, he still to sinful men was piteous, not sparing in his speech, in vain conceit, but in his teaching kindly and discreet. He drew his flock to heaven with noble art. By good example was his holy art. No less did he rebuke the obstinate, whether they were of high or low estate. For pomp and worldly show he did not care. No morbid conscience made his rule severe. The lure of Christ and his apostles twelve he taught, but first he followed it himself. Now these things that are uh, the Bible teaches uh, that the uh, minister does and then the, the people do um, that I've written, I'm going to leave the mic now and place them here and then, uh, and then read them to you before I come back up here. <clears throat> okay, so the minister admonishes, has the rule over us, labors, is over us in the Lord, sets an example, speaks the word, watches for our souls, works. 
Then the duty to ministers, accuse not soon, acknowledge, despise not, esteem highly, follow, honor or support, know and understand, obey, pray for, remember, submit to. So, let's first turn to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. First of all, in verses 10 and 11, this is 1 Corinthians 16, verses 10 and 11. Now, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear. For he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, <clears throat> that he may be come, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. So what is our obligation and recommendation to the to the minister in this case? Well, it says, um, we, we put the two verses together here. First of all, you notice it says, let him come to you in fear. They're in the middle of the first verse in verse 10. Uh, and then, but rather, uh, somewhat the opposite of that would be in the middle of the verse 11, conduct him forth in peace. Um, so, uh, he shouldn't have to come in fear, but his coming, the ministers coming to them should, should be able to, to be in peace. Why should there be situations where because of the, the people not relating as they should, he has to come in fear, but he, he should be able to come in peace. Of course, then, the beginning of verse 11, it says, despise let no man despise him. So despise not. Timothy had been sent to correct some things among them. And uh, he should be able to go to the congregation, to the people, and do his job. That they full well know that he needs to do and should do. What does it say about the minister in these verses? Well, it says in verse 10, for he worketh the work of the Lord. He's doing God's work. He's doing his job. Now, let's look at verses 15 to 18. 
verses 15 to 18. This is 1 Corinthians 16 now in verses 15 to 18. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that we submit, that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunaeus and Achaicus, that for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. For they have ref refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. So what do these verses say? It's our responsibility as members to submit, verse 16, to acknowledge, look at verse 18, acknowledge ye them that are such, those that have labored with Paul, and he gives them a high recommendation. And he says you should be acknowledging them. We need to, to thank those that are leading out in the ministry, that are serving in the ministry, that are doing their work. Acknowledge them. Notice what they are doing. Think about what they are doing. Thank them and appreciate them for what they are doing. What does it say in these verses concerning the work of, of the minister? And it says in verse, end of verse 16, and laboreth. That's what Paul called it, and laboreth. All right, let's look at a, another little passage, just two verses in another place we turn to, and that is in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, First Thessalonians, chapter 5, and just uh, verses 12 and 13. Verse 12, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. He begins by saying, know them, know them. Have a relationship with them understand them and I believe what he's suggesting here understand them in such a way 
that we appreciate what they're doing, that we appreciate their work, know them that way. Furthermore, in verse 13, quite an expression there, but there it is. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. You know, he could have said that uh, just in a word or two, but this is how he said it. This is the word of God. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Well, what does it say uh, in verse 12 and 13 here uh, that um, the minister is doing? It says at the end of verse 12, talking about this minister, and they're over you in the Lord. I'm not going to take a lot of time for... <laughs> trying to describe what that might mean, but that's what it says, are over you in the Lord. And then the end of the verse, and admonish you. That's another job for the minister to admonish. Furthermore, um, right in the middle of verse 12, it uses the word labor, which labor among you. Labor. Yes, labor. And then one more word in verse 13. Verse 13. Right in the middle of the verse again, the word work. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. They're working among us. All right, let's turn over a few pages to another place. First Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, just about three verses here. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And this is verses uh, 17 to 19. I'll read these, verse 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. So, in verse 17, how we should, should we relate to the, the servant, the minister? Well, it, uh, it uses the word honor, and it uses some other words along with that, Right? Honor, uphold, respect, support. And um, in this particular case, I think most of you realize what he's suggesting or getting at. Um, honor 
more than just uh, think it in your mind, but honor with uh, some material means. We, uh, compensation. And then <clears throat> we have the word honorarium that we use sometimes. It would come, of course, with the root being honor. Honor him with an honorarium or compensation. <clears throat> and then... <clears throat> Verse 19, against an elder receive not an accusation but before two or three witnesses. And so I simply wrote, accuse not quickly. Accuse not quickly. So what does it say that the, the elder does, the minister? In verse 17, let the elders that rule, little four-letter word there, rule. He rules. And then the word labor we have there again. Especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Laboring in the word and doctrine. That's work to share the word and share the doctrine. It's, it's work there. There's, it's labor. And uh, so that's some of his work and job there. Now, I think I mentioned I have four different er uh, scriptures, and we've looked at three of them now. But before we go to the last one, I want to use the last one for, for right at the end. Uh, let's just um, consider another thing or two. And first of all, let's um, consider another passage of scripture that doesn't necessarily relate to this list of things here. And that is in 1 Timothy chapter 4. So if you just um, back up a little there. Um, maybe you don't have to turn your page, but there it is, 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'd like to read verses 12 to 16. 1 Timothy 4, 12 to 16. Of course, you realize as you look at this, here's Paul's admonition to uh, Timothy. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. I don't know if you ever counted all those things that uh, Paul was asking of Timothy there, but I count them, and I would say there's 15 things there in those 
few little verses that I just read. Fifteen things. Um, we as ministers, um, maybe, that, maybe we as ministers should all commit that to memory and, and say it every day or something. Maybe that would be helpful to us. Um, <clears throat> be an example an example of the believers, if we are to minister, if we are to serve, if we are to be an overseer or a pastor, well then certainly um, our message would get across much better if we first of all are an example of what we are trying to preach, trying to say, trying to persuade of. So he says that, be an example, be an example in our words. And then be an example in our lifestyle. And then be an example in our love. And then be an example in the spirit in which we do it. And then be an example in faith. And then be an example in purity. You could go on with the list here, of course, of the 15 things. Some of the work he was asked to do, reading, exhortation, doctrine, be a good steward of what God has called you to. Verse 14, neglect not the gift that is in thee. You've been called, be a good steward of that calling. Use it wisely. Be diligent in these things that you've been called to. Preachers, ministers, overseers, bishops. Be diligent. Meditate upon these things. Don't do a halfway job, but give yourself wholly unto them. That, um, that profiting or they progress may be realized by the people you, you minister to. First of all, before you take heed to someone else, make sure you're taking heed to yourself, we as ministers. That's our obligation. Take heed to ourselves first and unto the doctrine. And so forth to the end of the verse. You see it there. Live in such a way, yes, live in such a way. How did he begin, verse 12? Let no man despise thy youth. Timothy, you may be young, but, but notice the word right after that. But, instead of people living in such a way that people may despise you and will despise you, but, here's 15 things I have to say to you. <laughs> and then that way, by the grace of God, they, they won't despise you. Live in such a way that the people will not despise you. Give no man occasion just because you're young. As new 
ministers, and in this case, being specific about Brother Ellis and this, this ordination tonight, um, if I could say something to those that will serve um, with him, that he will serve. Those of you that he will serve. Be careful about comparing the new bishop to the old bishop. Furthermore, the new deacon to the old deacon and the minister, and of course, also. Be careful about comparing. And be careful about comparing the new wife with the old wife. With the wife of the new bishop, with the wife of the, uh, of the old bishop. We're not the same. We're all different. And yet God has given us all jobs to do. So we're tempted sometimes to say, well, um, he, he always did it this way. Uh, well, was that the only way to, to do it? <laughs> Is there more than one good way to do something? You know? Um, he did it this way, or uh, he should have done it this way, and so now uh, it's better that we do it this way now. Well, what it, what it used to be like, you know, I, I remember what it used to be like. Um, we need to be careful with those kind of expressions and those kind, that, that kind of thinking. There's various good ways to do things. And that's good. So the devil would have us be critical when something changes. We're kind of in a, we kind of get into a, a, a system of doing things. Uh, I don't want to call it a rut, but uh, we get into a system of doing things. And uh, sometimes when change comes, uh, we, we don't know how to handle it. Well, um, there's many good ways to do things, and uh, so um, be careful about the change from one person to another. And I think you know in our setting here, the way we do things, it won't be a, a, a big change overnight, uh, and that's good. But uh, yet, uh, some changes will come, and we need to be careful and be loving and be, have charity uh, in these changes and realize that uh, there's various ways to do things well. Be flexible and, and open to changes. Just a, a word or two to the thing of um, authority in general. So some of these things we've, we've looked at here on, on the charts have to do with, um, with the, the minister uh, the church official having some authority and they uh, by the scripture uh, that that is true of course and so um, we as parents have a large role to play in how uh, that authority comes across to our children and, and the role we have in relating to authority and the role our children have in relating to authority and respecting those in authority. What happens when 
parents uh, have uh, wrong ideas about authority and are critical to authorities and so forth, well, um, what happens? They have children, and uh, down the road, it'll likely be trouble. It'll likely be heartache. When we always find something different or wrong or, you know, we, we, this isn't working well or I don't like it this way or why did they do it that way, you know, and those kind of thoughts, you know, and our children hear that, um, we're setting ourselves up for trouble in our homes, in our schools, in our churches. So this thing of, of authority figures and relating to that, uh, it, it's many places, many, many places where that uh, is taking place all the time. God is designed that way. And so uh, we have, have, as parents, have many, many places to be examples of the right re relationship in response to authority. So we have the government, we have the law enforcement officers, we have school teachers, we have administrative committees in our schools, we have the church ministry, we have our conferences and fellowships that we have chosen to be a part of, many different places where we can have the right uh, relationship and respect for those in authority and show an example to our children. I want to read one more thing out of Brother Bean's book on the ministry, and that is uh, something he wrote concerning the importance of the ministerial team, the team working together. So uh, let me read that for you at this time. And so uh, he just called it this, Beatitudes for the Ministerial Team. Blessed are those ministers who are poor in spirit and who therefore humbly yield to one another in honor preferring one another. Blessed are those ministers who are penitent before God and have mourned for their sins, who sympathize with each other and weep together, literally and or figuratively making adjustments to help a fellow minister. Blessed are those ministers who are meek and teachable, who face difficulties without bitterness, who are able to accept criticism from each other without negative feelings. Blessed are those ministers who hunger and desire the truth that is preached by a fellow minister. Blessed are those ministers who are merciful instead of being judgmental of their fellow ministers, who give each other the benefit of the doubt, and who extend forgiveness readily. Blessed are those ministers who are sincere in heart, living lives of transparency and integrity, 
who communicate the truth with each other without exaggerating a situation or omitting pertinent facts that would lead a co-pastor to an erroneous conclusion. Blessed are those ministers who promote peace with God, peace with the brotherhood, peace in the community, and peace with each other by patience, a soft answer, and good communication skills. Blessed are those ministers who face opposition and criticism in a united way, supporting, encouraging, and praying for one another. Rejoice and be exceeding glad if you have such a blessed ministerial team. For great is the benefit you will give to your congregation and wonderful will be your fellowship with each other. Now, I would like to go to that fourth passage where some of these terms and words come from on the charts here. And that is in Hebrews 13. So you may turn to Hebrews chapter 13. First of all, verse 7. Hebrews 13 and verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. That's our responsibility to remember. Remember... Um, the positive things that they're trying to do with us and for us. It says in the middle of the verse, whose faith follows. So we need to, we should follow them. Because they have faith and they're living in that faith. Whose faith follow. Look now. at some of the things that the minister does in this little verse, verse 7. Which have the rule over you. Who have spoken unto you the word. They speak the word. And so since it said we should follow, then they are setting an example. They are setting a positive and good example, and so we are encouraged to follow that. Now, let's look at verses 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. So, what's our responsibility in, in verse 17? 
obey. Submit yourselves. And verse 18, pray for. Pray for. What else does it say about the minister in, uh, in verse 17? Again, it says, has the rule over you. And then near the end of the verse, in the middle of the verse, for they watch for your souls. That's part of their work, watching for our souls. Thank God for that. Praise God for that. Now, verses 20 and 21. Verses 20 and 21. Brother Ellis, um, if you haven't um, jotted down this verse and put it on your mirror or your refrigerator or on your dresser or something, maybe you could. It, it's a good verse for all of us as ministers to do that with. But it's especially for you tonight, Brother Ellis, verses 20 and 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. May God continue to bless our district with this ordination of Brother Ellis. thank the Lord for the admonition and encouragement to Brother Ellis and Sister Donna and to the rest of us as we relate to this calling in their lives for the good of the church, for the unity of the church. So let's do our part. You know, we, we tend to look at others and their responsibility and we kind of know what they ought to be doing. This evening we've been looking in the mirror to see what we all should be doing. So I appreciate the admonition this evening. This time we'll proceed with the ordination. <clears throat> Brother Alice, 
The Lord has called you to the work of bishop in the church of Jesus Christ. Would you please stand to answer the questions? Are you willing to accept the service and by the grace of God, this service and by the grace of God and the help of his Holy Spirit, give yourself to the work that this office demands as a faithful servant of Christ in the body, servant in the body of Christ? I am. Do you promise to give attention to all the teachings of the word, to accept them as the rule and guide of your life, to maintain and teach them along with the faithful interpretations, applications, and forms of worship of the church, and to uphold them loyally to the end? Yes. Are you willing to oversee the church or churches of which you shall have charge in accordance with the teachings of the word, the direction of the conference, and the councils of the church? Are you willing to subject yourself to other faithful leaders with which you labor and in all things to show yourself an approved workman of the Lord? I am. Do you promise to work to maintain harmony within the ministry of the church or churches over which the Lord has given you oversight? I do. Thank you. Sister Donna. Some questions for you. You will have occasion to assist your husband in his ministry as opportunity and needs arise in service to the sisters of the church. Your attitude and support will greatly help or hinder your husband in his responsibilities. Your husband is dedicating himself to his calling. Will you share in that dedication by answering the following questions? Do you accept the call of a bishop's wife as, the, as a responsibility to be fulfilled under the Lordship of Christ, the head of the church? Will you support your husband in his role and sacrifice your time and convenience that the work of Christ and his church may have priority in your lives? You may be seated. Thank you. this time I'll ask Brother Tenille and I'll ask the Brother Allen and Brother Nathan to assist me in giving the charge. Dear Brother, in the name of Christ and his church, I charge and ordain you to preach and promote the pure doctrine of the Word of God, to baptize and receive believers into the church fellowship upon their confession of faith, to teach them to observe all things the Lord has commanded, to administer communion, to have oversight of the marriage of members of the church, to be responsible for ordinations, to visit the sick and afflicted, to strengthen them in their faith, to, to excommunicate from church according to the scriptures those who transgress the commandments of Christ, and continue in their disobedience, and to restore to fellowship those who repent and return to obedience. We commit to you all the duties of the office of bishop, trusting you to carry out these responsibilities according to the principles of God's word. Therefore, be not self-willed, but reasonable and considerate. Be not soon angry, but preserving 
but persevering and long-suffering. Be sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faith you have been taught, ready to answer with the Holy Scriptures those who oppose you. Be a faithful shepherd of the flock of God, so that at last the great shepherd may receive you by saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. May God, who has called you to this high and holy calling, enable you by his Holy Spirit, and grant you grace and wisdom in all things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. At this time, we'll have prayer. I'd like to ask the audience to please stand. And I'll ask Brother Nathan and Brother Allen to pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for this important time in our district. And we uh, thank you for Brother Ellis and Sister Donna and for their willingness to serve you, their faithfulness in serving you in the years past. We thank you for that and praise you for that. And their willingness to uh, continue to serve you in, in this calling. Uh, Lord, may you, uh, by your grace, strengthen them. We know it will come. It can come. It, it, it does come by your grace. And we, we, uh, we hold on to that. And we have faith in, in what you will do uh, by your grace uh, for their responsibilities. Uh, Lord, just be with Brother Ellis in a special way as he relates to uh, uh, other churches, uh, as you call him in this, that um, he would have wisdom. You would grant him uh, wisdom, again, by your grace uh, to relate to various ones in various situations. Give him strength for, for the work. We pray in Jesus' name. Our Father in heaven, we too are thankful that the work of the church can continue and can keep on marching on. And we are thankful that this congregation of people has come to this place that of a continuation of leadership. I pray, Lord, for him that he may not fear faces, but he may be bold and considered and uphold the standard of, of God's holy work. So we pray, Lord, that you would grant him grace through each trial, each tribulation, each um, situation he, that it may arise mm -hmm. within the office of bishop. Yes. I pray that God's grace will help him through. Mm -hmm. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help him to exercise his gifts to mm -hmm. their fullest and that the congregation may receive those gifts mm -hmm. and as from you. Mm -hmm. yes. And to pray that above all else, that he may remain faithful. Mm -hmm. We do pray for Sister Donna mm -hmm. as she is a help me to him. May you also give her grace and, and uh, understanding and encouragement mm -hmm. as he needs it. Yes. So help us, Lord, all to be found faithful. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name we pray. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yes. Amen. You may be seated. to have another song before we have dismissal and then we'll have prayer and I'm going to ask Brother Keith Crowder to lead us in prayer uh, dismissal prayer for the after service we'll
expect some of you and many of you would like to come and encourage a brother and sister and their responsibilities. So we're going to just ask them to probably turn around and stand here. Uh, encourage you to come down the center aisle and then exit the, on my, to my right hand out the exit aisle on that side to keep things moving. I want to say thank you for coming. Thank you for your support. Um, and keep praying that God will glorify himself through the work of the church and, a real, and be a real blessing to Brother Ellis and Sister Donna and their responsibilities and support them with encouragement any way you can. This time we'll have singing. Maybe I'll take the liberty to say you can continue to encourage the old bishop. After he was called that this evening, he needs a little encouragement. Let's stand for prayer. Brother Keith, you want to come up to the mic? Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that you loved us and sent him to die for our sins, that you've given to us your Holy Spirit, you've made us your children, you've brought us into your church. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of the body of Christ. Thank you for the gifts that you've given to the church, for the responsibilities that you've laid on the shoulders of many of us, all of us, in one way or another, but especially this evening we think of those called to lead out in real ways. Father, we heard this evening we can't do it alone, and we know that. Help us not to forget. Bless Brother Ellis and Sister Donna and, and each one of us who has responsibility to, to lead the church, to lead our families, to encourage each other. Fill us with your spirit. May your church be blessed by our lives, by their lives. Continue to lead and work for your glory. May the church grow. We want to love you more. We want to bring you honor. We want to glorify you. So work in our lives and make us a blessing to each other. And again, we especially thank you for Brother Ellis and Sister Donna. Make them a blessing to the congregations here. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Consider yourselves dismissed. Lord's blessings. <clears throat>